Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is October the 14th, 2022. I'm happy you could join me. Hope all is well in your world, even if the world itself uh, seems to be out of kilter. Uh, Goodness gracious, when does it end? Um, Anyway, uh, it's been a hell of a week. Uh, Sorry I could not join you last week. Occasionally, Uh, Life intervenes. We're doing fine, but um, there were issues that needed my attention. And so um, I played hooky last week, but I am back. And there's no shortage of topics, as you might imagine. And and what I want to start out, by the way, I have to make note, when I was growing up, I I really didn't see sports figures as heroes. Uh, And it cost me a bunch of black eyes because people can be stupid, whether they're old or young. My heroes were astronauts, test pilots, people like Chuck Yeager, Scott Crossfield, Alan Shepard, Gus Grissom, all those incredible astronauts, test pilots, and so forth. And in fact, today is the anniversary of Chuck Yeager breaking the sound barrier at Edwards Air Force Base in the Bell X-1. And one of my prized possessions was bought for me by my wife over 20 years ago. I had had cancer surgery. Thank God I survived. I haven't aggravated my quota yet. So she bought me a gift, and ironically, it it came around the the 14th of October. And what it was was a model of the Bell X-1 piloted by Jaeger when he broke the sound barrier, and he autographed it. So it sits on my bookcase in my office at home, and it's one of those things um, that I'm very happy I have. I went out and bought a model of the P-51 Mustang that he also autographed, It was with that airplane that Jaeger became an ace during the Second World War. And and what we really should be celebrating as Americans are the achievements by Americans. Of course, the rest of the world has contributed. I'm I'm not, you know, ruling out anything. It's human achievement that we should be celebrating. But my gosh, it seems as though the radical left and the globalists want us to forget the incredible tradition of Americans breaking all sorts of barriers and not just the sound barrier. Um, It infuriates me. We have a lot to be proud of, and yes, America has got it wrong on occasion, just as people do, but I don't know of any other country that was more willing to right the wrongs and correct the mistakes and address those things that needed to be addressed. (coughs) Pardon me. That was the wisdom of the founding fathers when they started out by saying, in order to form a more perfect union. We have been on that quest for that more perfect union. And for those people who are so disdainful of America, not to sound cavalier, but tell me where you would rather live. Tell me what country would put up with your lunacy if you think that that it's appropriate to go around Uh, knocking your own country. Talk about biting the hand that feeds you. The opportunities are here. When my mom came as a 13-year-old, the head of the Holocaust, no one did anything for her. 
fact, she wound up living by herself in a rooming house at age 13. Couldn't speak the language, but managed to get a job in a sweatshop making umbrellas for $3 a week so she could feed herself and pay the rent for that room. This is about taking the initiative and making lemonade out of lemons as often as you can. And again, there are things that need to be addressed. No argument. But what we're seeing is the trashing of our great nation by politicians who don't care about America or Americans or governance. What they seem to be focused on is their wealth and their power. I, I refer to this as people who are grammatically challenged. They're only able to conjugate verbs in the first person singular. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. But I can tell you that I feel very strongly about America and our fellow Americans of every race, every religion, every ethnicity. We need to find those things that make us most similar, not that which makes us most different. And I've traveled across this country. Here I am, a Jewish kid from Brooklyn, and no matter where I've gone, I have felt at home, I have felt comfortable. Uh, I felt the warmth and the love from our fellow Americans, no matter their religion, their race, what part of the country they're from. This is the thing that should be bringing us all together, that great American flag. And I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. This isn't a left-right issue. But one of the mistakes we're making is to refer to the lunatics on the left as liberal because they're not liberal. You can't be a liberal if you support cancel culture, if you show nothing but animosity for people with a different viewpoint. Because if you look up liberal, it begins by saying that a liberal is an individual who accepts the notion that other people have different ideas and everyone's ideas should be respected and everyone should have the opportunity to voice their opinions. Basically, it's a celebration of the First Amendment. And that's what I do on this program. That's what I do when I do speaking engagements. That's what I do when I go on television. By the way, tomorrow, a little after 10 a.m., I'm scheduled to be on Newsmax TV to talk about Mayorkas and the alleged whipping of the Haitian aliens coming across the border. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on on this program. Madness, sheer madness. This is being done, I believe, purposely to demoralize the Border Patrol, demoralize the police, empower the bad guys and people are losing their lives on a daily basis how many cop shootings have we had in the past couple days it's insane and that's not to say that there aren't police officers who probably shouldn't have gone into police work just as there are doctors who shouldn't be doctors and teachers who shouldn't be teachers and supposed journalists who shouldn't be journalists And I can think of a long list of politicians who shouldn't be in politics. But if you look at law enforcement officers as a whole, and I've had the privilege of working with police officers from all over this country, and in fact, other countries as well, and by and large, law enforcement officers are among the best. They are valiant. They are brave. What they do is heroic. They form that thin blue line to protect society from the sociopaths, the criminals, the violence, and so forth. Um, We need to wake up as a country, and we need to stop allowing ourselves to be bullied. My father raised me to believe, as he put it, that the only person who would be able to intimidate me 
would be the person that I would permit to intimidate me. And he also taught me that I would teach people how they should treat me by demonstrating what I would be willing to accept. What we're witnessing is unacceptable, unacceptable. And I don't care what your political orientation is. And I have to tell you, and I don't care what you think about Donald Trump. For me, Trump is a mixed bag. He was the first president we've had perhaps since Eisenhower or Kennedy who truly embraced the notion of sovereignty, all that followed uh, Kennedy, um, globalist uh, on one level or another. Bring in foreign workers, outsource our jobs, and the list goes on. But, you know, he's a mixed bag. Nobody is, you know, monolithically good, bad, or, or whatever. Well, you could have people that are monolithically bad. I can think of a few. But the point is, that Donald Trump, I think, really wanted to do right by America and Americans. And what we're hearing from the lunatic left is that nobody's above the law. They point to Trump and they say, nobody's above the law. Nobody's above the law. Okay. You have millions of illegal aliens pouring into the United States, being welcomed by the Democrats, creating sanctuary policies that violate the laws, but nobody's above the law. You have mayors giving... Uh, benefits to illegal aliens, identity documents, and so forth, which violate the Real ID Act, which violates the laws, which violates common sense. But don't forget, nobody's above the law. You have governors giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens, and in part saying we need to do this because they need those licenses to be able to work. If you're here illegally as an alien, you're not supposed to be here at all. You certainly aren't supposed to be working. Now, this is the irony. These are Democrats who supposedly are pro-labor. That's the reason I'm a Democrat. My dad was a tradesman, a construction worker. I'm the biggest fan of blue-collar America. Without blue-collar America, there would be no country. We'd be living, you know, under shade trees and in caves. Blue-collar America built the buildings, paved the roads, built the cars and the airplanes and the trains. Without blue-collar America, we'd be living like Fred Flintstone, okay? And that's why I'm a Democrat. But the Democrats aren't the Democrats that I signed up with. If you're truly pro-labor, you would not want to import an army of foreign workers to displace Americans and drive down wages. But that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. If you're truly pro-labor... You have to be immigra- pro-immigration enforcement. Bernie Sanders, back in 2006 or 2007, stood shoulder to shoulder with the AFL-CIO and said in no unequivocal terms, <clears throat> if you hire illegal aliens, you should go to jail because you're destroying jobs and wages for middle-class Americans. He was right. And then what happened? I testified twice to Sheila Jackson Lee. She was on the right side of immigration. If you remember when it was discovered six months to the day after 9-11 that two of the dead terrorists had been granted authorization to attend flight school, it was Mohammed Atta and Marwan al-Shahi. Atta was the ringleader. He was in the cockpit of one of the airplanes that hit the Trade Center, and al-Shahi was in the other cockpit of the other airplane that hit the Trade Center. And it was Sheila Jackson Lee and Jim Sensenbrenner, of the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, who asked me to go testify because they wanted to sort out, they, Congress, wanted to sort out how in the world this could happen. And this was in March of 2002. And then I subsequently testified to Sheila as her witness 
on the issue of visa fraud, immigration benefit fraud, the way that aliens were using visas to come to the United States as ways of circumventing the law by lying on the applications, organized groups, smuggling organizations, using visa fraud as a method of moving people into the country. It's not just the Mexican border. What happened to Sheila? What happened to Bernie? What happened to all of them? Have they been bought off? Have they been extorted? Have they been threatened? Uh, this is a seismic shift in their position. They went from one side to the complete opposite side. Sanctuary cities, driver's licenses for illegal aliens. And by the way, around the world, terrorists don't use airplanes. At least I'm not aware of a single plane successfully used in a terror attack since 9-11. Around the world, they use motor vehicles. So we're giving driver's licenses to people without knowing who the hell they are while they erect barriers in main, major cities to protect buildings against car bombs and truck bombs. The big concrete flower pots and the spikes that pop out of, this, out of the pavement and so forth. These are barriers against bombs. But they're giving driver's licenses to people whose identities can't be verified. The bombing at the Trade Center in 93 involved an illegal alien who rented the truck and another illegal alien drove the truck. A month earlier, Kansi, a Pakistani national who shot up the CIA, gained access to the CIA, this is January 93, by buying into a courier van service. And that courier van had a permit that enabled them to drive into the parking lot at the CIA compound. He jumped out, not with packages, but an AK-47 and opened fire. How many times can you stick your hand in the fire and say, gee, this isn't a good idea? And where are the Republicans? And, and I take them all to task because they've all accepted the bribes, the campaign contributions from the globalists, from the globalists. And, and what I want to talk about this evening is my article that was just published this morning by Front Page Magazine. Very proud of my long-standing relationship with the David Harwood Freedom Center. They sponsor Front Page Magazine. I've been writing for them since 2014, hard to believe. Uh, gosh, eight years now, over eight years. And what I've talked about is the immigration iceberg that Biden has created, but that how the media and the politicians only want to talk about the Mexican border. It's astonishing. Now, don't misunderstand for a heartbeat what I'm saying to you. Is the Mexican border a problem? It is a humongous problem, and it gets worse every day. But that is not the only way that aliens enter the United States. And that's not the only problem that we have. And in fact, if you read my article, I hope you will, and I hope you'll share it with a lot of people, you will realize that just this past July, the Justice Department issued press releases about a, a terrorist who was just sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. He lived on the Canadian border, born in Saudi Arabia, killed uh, soldiers and, as a member of ISIS. Canadian border. There was a major fentanyl smuggling operation that was taken down. Justice Department provided a press release about that, operating on the northern border, the Canadian border. We have no idea as to who's coming across the Canadian border because nobody wants to talk about it. All that we hear is crisis on the southern border, crisis on the This has been going on forever. For whatever reason, the Border Patrol and the southern border are synonymous with immigration enforcement, period. 
when I hired on with the INS back in 1971, they sent me to Border Patrol Academy in 1972. And I thought, my gosh, why is the Border Patrol running the immigration system? There's a lot more to immigration than the Border Patrol. Now, don't misunderstand me for a heartbeat. I'm a big fan of the patrol. Those men and women do very dangerous, important work, interdicting bad guys, drugs, weapons, contraband. Very important. But they're only a third of what I've come to refer to as the immigration enforcement tripod. And, in fact, the way George W. Bush put DHS together after 9-11 violated the Homeland Security Act because he cut immigration enforcement in half between Customs and Border Protection and ICE, never supposed to happen, and he folded in agencies that had nothing to do with immigration. That wasn't supposed to happen because George W. Bush is a flaming globalist. And what we've always ignored in this country has been interior enforcement. And that was the third leg of the tripod that I spoke about uh, most forcefully when I testified before the Immigration Reform Caucus in November of 2002, uh, 2001, rather, just about six weeks after the attacks of 9-11. We've never really had meaningful interior enforcement. I've spoken about it on this program before. I'm going to mention it again. Because meaningful interior enforcement would lead to the identification, investigation, and punishment of employers who knowingly hire illegal aliens. And these are the same people that are making the campaign contributions. Effective immigration law enforcement would also identify crooked lawyers. And think of how many lawyers are in Congress who have an involvement with immigration. Bob Goodlatte was the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Guess what, folks? Bob Goodlatte was an immigration lawyer who made quite a bit of money on the H-1B visa program. He and I had a major argument about the H-1B visa program. I said, why in the world are you pushing for more foreign high-tech workers when Americans are ready, willing, able, and experienced? Many of them loyal employees for decades being fired and displaced by people from India. Why? And I told about my late wife, who was a brilliant programmer with incredible academic credentials. And he told me, well, he said, you know, first he didn't even want to talk about the issue, but I finally forced him to confront the statement made by Alan Greenspan back in 2009. When he was talking about comprehensive reform, he glossed over the idea of hiring illegal aliens, what he called the unauthorized. He said, yes, but, you know, they they only minimally suppress the wages of, of the working poor, basically. Well, if you minimally suppress wages of people at that level, they become homeless. And when you fire high tech workers, they also become homeless will certainly suffer tremendously. How is that in the best interest of Americans? You see, they seem to forget those three words, we the people. We the people. Who do they think they represent? Well, obviously, they don't represent we the people. If they did, they wouldn't be making these ridiculous and outrageous statements. Greenspan actually had the chutzpah to refer to high-tech American workers, people with advanced degrees as the privileged elite, and said they're earning a wage premium because we're shielding them from foreign competition. Of course we are. That's what the law requires. The immigration laws prior to the Second World War were the primary responsibility of the Labor Department, protect the jobs and wages of American workers. That's when the government actually stood for Americans. What a novel thought. Protect the jobs and wages of Americans. And there's Greenspan, the former chairman of the Fed, railing about how dare they protect American workers. They're the privileged elite. We need to cut their salaries. He actually said that. And he said, if we could make Americans compete with foreign workers through foreign competition, 
we can eliminate that wage premium, and then we greatly reduce wage inequality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. So what was he saying? Flood America with foreign workers, make the Americans compete with those foreign workers. You could cut their salaries so significantly that they will make virtually the same money as some high school dropouts. That kind of economic system has a name called communism. And there was Goodlatte telling me that he didn't want to talk about it. When he finally did, he told me how his son knows a lot about computers and would love to import thousands and thousands and thousands of brilliant Indians. And I said, really? And what are the Americans, chopped liver? And that was the end of the conversation. But, of course, arrogant as he was, he told me something that I didn't know. I had no clue that his son was involved in the computer industry. So I found his son online, Bobby Goodlatte. Look him up. And you know what you're going to find? Bobby Goodlatte got to start with Zuckerberg at Facebook and made a fortune. How? By getting Americans fired and replacing them with foreign workers who work for lots less. These workers that displace Americans aren't nearly as talented. But, hey, these idiots know the price of everything and the value of nothing. And the hell with the Americans have lost their jobs. Too bad for them. We're making the money. Really? And what we've also done is educate our enemies. Hundreds of thousands of Chinese engineers and computer programmers have flown into this country and flowed through our best universities, China giving you know, tons of money to the universities. And it was Donald Trump who, through Betsy DeVos, the Secretary of Education, did an investigation into all of this and said, my God, she identified, I believe it was over $6 billion from Saudi Arabia. And you could see where our relationship with Saudi Arabia has gone under the stewardship of Joe Biden. And I have my issues with Saudi Arabia, 9-11, and, and the connections and so forth. But all Biden thinks about is, well, Saudi Arabia didn't do what I told them to do, kind of like we, what we heard about Joe before. Do what I say or we cut off your money, you know? He's all about money, bribery, coercion, extortion. But Saudi Arabia, China, uh, and several other countries pumped the majority of the $6 billion into American universities. Why? Well, number one, to get their students here. Number two, they get to pick faculty members. Number three, they have a big voice in the curriculum. So the universities have become breeding grounds uh, for brainwash, basically. And Donald Trump had identified that threat. There's a lot of reasons why the other side goes nuts when Donald Trump is, is the issue. Now, again, I don't always agree with him. His ability to communicate was lousy. When he debated Joe Biden, it was, it was worse than amateur night. The question he should have asked Joe Biden not can you say law enforcement, Joe, which was idiotic, frankly. Hey, Joe, have you read the 9-11 Commission report? Because the 9-11 Commission report made it abundantly clear that not only would the attacks of 9-11 not have been possible, but other terror attacks would not have been possible without the multiple failures of the immigration system. That's the question. And then he should have asked Joe, and by the way, if you legalize all these people, Joe, do you think you can interview them? Because Biden keeps pushing for a massive amnesty, as does uh, Pelosi, and as do the Republicans, by the way. Once we secure the Mexican border, then we can deal with those who are already here. Why is that the metric? Why are we only hearing about the Mexican border? The Border Patrol does not adjudicate applications for immigration benefits. That's done by Citizenship and Immigration Services. 
they are overwhelmed. They adjudicate millions of applications a year as it is. Imagine throwing into their in-basket tens of millions of more applications that will have to be dealt with quickly. The only way to deal with an application for a benefit quickly is to approve it. If you deny an application, that could take days or weeks because now you have to have an investigation done, you have to write a formal denial, formal report, and it's got to withstand legal scrutiny because it is to be presumed that the alien who is denied the benefit he or she applies for will file an appeal. So you have to make certain that there's legal sufficiency to that denial or it won't hold up. This is laborious, time-consuming, and we don't have the resources, frankly. That's the metric. And every time the politicians stand there and they say, well, we need to have comprehensive immigration reform, what they're doing is firing the starter's pistol for ever more illegal aliens and aspiring illegal aliens from all over the world. Because when they hear that, what they're saying is, wow, if I can get to America literally by hook or by crook, at some point those idiots are going to give me lawful status. I remember... Years ago, I think I was going into Fox News, could be mistaken. I was on all the networks in those days. Um, but I was being driven in, and, and my driver had a heavy uh, Middle Eastern accent. So I played dumb, uh, didn't get into that I was an INS agent or any of this other business. And I said to him, where are you from? And he said, well, I'm from Lebanon, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure he said he was from Lebanon. Lebanon, by the way, has a nexus to terrorism, by the way. And I said, wow, so you're from Lebanon. Was it hard to make papers? He goes, no, 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 no. He said, you had a president who was the biggest imbecile we ever could have imagined. We make jokes about him. I said, oh, which president was that? He said, oh, Ronnie Reagan. I said, Ronald Reagan was an idiot. He said, oh, my God, how did you people elect him? You had to be dumber than he was because you fell for him. I, I said, what are you talking about? I was kind of irritated, even though I was no Reagan fan. <clears throat> I know many conservatives are. But Reagan gave us the first amnesty, he gave us the visa waiver program, and he started us down the path to the diversity visa that was signed into law by George Herbert Walker Bush. Okay? Not programs I liked. But to, to listen to this guy, you know, insult one of our former presidents that way was kind of upsetting to me, you know, because he took advantage of Reagan. He said he was so stupid. He said because under the Reagan amnesty back in 1986, all we had to say was that we worked on a farm, and then you immediately were able to bring your family in. He said, my entire village moved to America because we all claimed to be farmers, and none of us had ever even been on a farm. It took my breath away. Make no mistake, people around the world pay attention to the words and actions of our leaders because it affects them. When Reagan said, well, you know, that farm workers could get an amnesty, this is the Special Agricultural Worker Visa, saw. And we did a lot of investigations into fraud. It permeated the entire program, including terrorists. Um, Mahmoud Abu Alima, who was involved with the Trade Center bombing in 93, got amnesty based on his claim that he planted beans in Florida. The only thing he ever planted was a bomb in the garage of the World Trade Center. <clears throat> and the closest he came to a farm was when he drove his cab past Central Park in New York. He never worked on any farm in Florida. Mahmoud Abu Alima. Go look him up. One of many. So by committing fraud, these people came in and they were able to get green cards and bring in their entire families. 
and among them were terrorists, criminals, and fugitives. And we haven't learned the lesson. Seriously, you had the 93 bombing. Everybody that I worked with, I was part of the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. I had lunch a couple of days after the bombing at the Trade Center. And my friends from the FBI, ATF, DEA, local police, state police, we were sitting there having lunch. They said, Mike, your agency is going to get all that it needs now. This has to be a wake-up call. They can't ignore it. Not only did we ignore it, but the Clinton administration created a program known as Citizenship USA, CUSA, where they pushed 1.1 million applications for U.S. citizenship through the system so quickly that in many cases the fingerprints didn't even come back before we granted these people U.S. citizenship. What are we doing? And then, of course, we had the, 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 90, the, the 2001 attacks. And what did George Bush do? He created DHS in such a way where John Hostetler, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, at a hearing where I testified, Hostetler said that the way that DHS was created violated the Homeland Security Act, exacerbated the problems that caused them to want to reorganize immigration, and thus created immigration incoherence, making it impossible to secure the borders, enforce the laws, or protect the American people. That took tremendous courage and moral leadership for a Republican congressman to say that about Bush, who was a Republican. Eventually, they defunded his campaign. I campaigned for John in, in uh, Indiana, but he lost the election. And they didn't agree with him on all issues, but we don't have to. We're entitled to disagree. You wouldn't know it in today's climate. God forbid you say something that's not quite marching lockstep with the power structure, and they're going to come for you. They'll cancel you. Maybe they'll send some FBI agents to visit you. God knows. Maybe they'll send some IRS agents to scrutinize your tax return. That's why they want that army of 87,000, perhaps. This is where we are today. This is where we are today. And we have lots of people flowing across the southern border, and I've spoken about it before. There have been hearings about how Hezbollah is working throughout Latin America with the human traffickers, the drug smugglers, to flood America with narcotics and illegal aliens, which is very lucrative. That's how they're funding a lot of their terrorism around the world. When, when Biden isn't sending them pallets of money, okay? But they're also sending us sleeper agents. I mean, this is insanity, but it's not just the Mexican border. And that's why this lunacy has to stop. I am tired of hearing crisis on the Mexican border. Yes, there is a crisis on the Mexican border, but I suspect there's also a crisis on the northern border. And here's something that I'd like someone to ask, perhaps in Congress. What is the visa refusal rate by this administration? Not everybody who applies for a visa to come to America gets a visa. Counselor officials do a similar job to what the inspectors do at ports of entry. And I was an inspector for the old INS for four years at Kennedy Airport. And you're supposed to look at that passport, make sure it's not altered or tampered with or a photo substitution uh, or, or counterfeit in some way or other. And then you check the name to make sure that the person isn't on a, on a wanted list or was previously deported and so forth. It's a very quick inspection. I wish we had more time. It's about a minute a person. If there's something really wrong, you could send it to secondary, but it used to be when I was at the airport that if you sent too many people for a more in-depth inspection in secondary, it would be reflected negatively in your evaluation. They wanted the line moving. Keep the line moving. 
Cutler, you're sending too many people. I said, but these are bad people. I don't care. Admit them. Let, let them stay two weeks. Two weeks. All that I want is two minutes on the other side of the doors. He's wearing running shoes, for God's sakes. So consular officials also deny applications for visas. They find out that the person has a criminal history. They find out that the person has a potential nexus to a terrorist group or a cartel. The guy doesn't have money, so he's probably going to come here to work illegally. There's a bunch of reasons why you would deny somebody a visa. And while we're on that topic, if you go to Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182, I'm going to say it again more slowly, take out a pen. And by the way, if you... Uh, listen to the podcast, you'll you'll be able to hear this and share this with your friends. I hope that you share these programs with as many of your friends as you can, be part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth. The Title VIII United States Code, Section 1182, lists the categories of aliens who are not to be admitted into the United States. And contrary to the lies by Pelosi and Schumer and all these other, whatever you want to call them, certainly not leaders, that word doesn't come to mind, Leaders stand for something besides their own wealth and their own power. But nevertheless, this is not about race, religion, ethnicity, or xenophobia. It's aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases. Think COVID, think monkeypox, think Ellis Island, which is a quarantine station. Aliens who have severe mental illness. Aliens who are criminals, terrorists, spies, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice, drug smugglers, human traffickers. And then we get to aliens who would become a public charge or if they work with displaced American workers and drive down wages. That's it. I want to know what is unfair or unreasonable about laws that seek to protect public safety, national security, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. Because that's what those laws are about. Period, full stop. Period, full stop. So... If you look at the visa refusal rate, <clears throat> I suspect that you will find that very few aliens who apply for visas are being denied visas today. When Alejandro Mayorkas was running Citizenship and Immigration Services for Obama, he had this terrible reputation of ordering his people to get to yes. Approve those applications or else he would fire people, demote people, they would suffer punishment if they didn't approve applications. And, in fact, I, I wrote about him back in um, during the Obama administration. ABC News did a multi, multi-part series about Alejandro Mayorkas because he was accused of playing politics with the visas. Terry McAuliffe apparently benefited by Mayorkas in that position. You know, Terry McAuliffe, an associate of Clinton, um, and, and on top of it, the FBI at one point went to him and said, look, <clears throat> there's a company that has submitted applications for visas, and we believe that that company has an affiliation with Iranian terrorists. You must deny the applications. You must deny the applications. And you know what? He approved the applications. So I doubt, and by the way, by the way visas issued a consulate that's under the State Department, not under DHS, but the philosophy of this administration is to let everybody in no matter what. Give them visas, give them lawful status, give them free housing. 
And here's the thing that you should really think about. You get one opportunity for a first impression. I made that point during one of my first hearings in Congress. You only get one opportunity for that first impression. What's the first impression that aliens entering the United States illegally now have? <clears throat> Come to America. We're going to let you in. Not only are we going to let you in, we're going to give you free housing and free clothing and free food. We're going to treat you better than we treat our own people in many cases. What are we doing? Is that the first impression people should have of America? That in America, America is still the land of opportunity for drug traffickers, terrorists, child molesters. Uh, human traffickers have never made more money than they're making with, Obama, with, uh, with Mr. Biden in the White House. Record levels of human trafficking. Exploitation of young children, young girls. Really? Really? How does this square with what we should be doing as a nation? How does this square with Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution that says that the states are to be provided with a Republican form of government and are to be protected against invasion of domestic violence? Last year, we lost over 100,000 people to poisoning by fentanyl. This is chemical warfare being waged against America. What are we doing about it? Why are there no commercials, public service announcements on TV from either party, either party, warning people, don't buy pharmaceuticals on the Internet. Get them from the drugstore where they're packaged and you know what you're getting. Because lots of people are dying because they think they're ordering a normal pharmaceutical. And it turns out that it's spiked with fentanyl, which is highly deadly. They have found candy coming into the United States made to look like candy, but it's fentanyl, killing babies, killing children. <clears throat> this isn't an accident, that it's not an overdose. Why isn't our government warning with public service announcements every 15 minutes? They did it with cigarettes. Think how effective that's been. How many people do you know who smoke? I don't know anybody who smokes. Really, I don't. So the question is, why aren't there public service announcements warning against fentanyl, warning against cocaine? In fact, in New York, the opposite is happening. In the subway system, there are signs posted telling people how to safely use illegal drugs, crack, heroin. My goodness. But nobody's above the law. Well, the law says that if you possess those drugs, you're committing a felony. But yet, the transit system has posted signs telling people how to use dangerous, deadly, illegal drugs supposedly safely. Instead of saying, don't do this, you'll destroy your life, it'll have an impact on your children, on your family, on your future, on your ability to get a job. It may have long-term consequences. I'd love to know every time there's a shooting. Here's a question for you folks. Every time there's a shooting... Some 15-year-old kid allegedly shot five people to death in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know what I'd like to know? What does the toxicology of that kid look like? Are there any drugs flowing through his veins? If you have a serious car accident, the first thing that happens is you have to do a breathalyzer. They may do a blood analysis. Make sure you don't have heroin or, or, or crack or God knows what flowing through your body, which is reasonable. A plane crashes. The first question was the pilot under the influence, right? 
there have been cases of pilots showing up to, to, to get in the cockpit of an airliner, flaring his words, and TSA keep them from, kept those pilots from getting on the plane. And sure enough, they were they were drunk. So when crazy things happen, one of the first questions we ask was the person acting under the influence of alcohol or a drug. When was the last time you saw anybody address the issue as to whether or not a shooter at a mass casualty event, a mass shooting, had a toxicology report done and made public? I'd like to know how many times somebody who pulled the trigger did so under the influence of drugs, such as those drugs that are flowing by the tonnage into the United States of America. Why are we encouraging drug use and looking to make more and more drugs illegal, or illegal rather? Why do you think they call it dope? Maybe the politicians figure that if we're high enough and, and, and stoned enough, we won't pay attention to the way they're destroying us and our children and our futures. That should be a requirement of law. Anybody involved in a shooting has to do a breathalyzer, has to have a blood test in order to make sure that that person wasn't operating under the influence of, of a drug or alcohol or whatever. Isn't that a reasonable requirement? Isn't that a, an important part of the story? But you're not going to hear that. If you took the drug money out of Wall Street, real estate, and banking, they'd go belly up. They are floating on drug money. They are. They are. And the drug money is going into the pockets of Iran and China and the cartels. Now, ask yourself, what in the world are we doing? What in the world are we doing? Why are we allowing this to happen to us? Why in the world would we allow this to happen to us? We shouldn't be, but we are. But we absolutely are. And yet, you know, we have to accept the idea that we have politicians who don't seem to give a damn about the average American. How is this good for America? How is, how is this sort of madness good for the United States? What harm is being done to our children and to the next generation of Americans? How does this impact national security? How does this impact public safety, public health? Not a word. Not a word. And Americans are dying as never before. You have to wonder if maybe these politicians are getting campaign contributions from the funeral home industry, because certainly they're drumming up lots of new business for them, aren't they? But all we hear about is the Mexican border. We don't hear about the aliens who committed visa fraud. We don't hear about the aliens who applied for and received citizenship based on the fact that they lied. Uh, in fact, there was a, a press release. Oh, goodness. Let me see if I could find my press release. Bear with me while I'm doing this. Um, okay, so, so here we had a case. Uh, now, this is interesting. The post of Syracuse. Syracuse man faces up to 15 years in prison for falsifying citizenship documents. Well, the bottom line, this so-called the so-called Syracuse man was from Yemen. Yemen has a clear affiliation with terrorists. It's a special interest country. And this guy claimed to be the son of his uncle. In other words, he's actually the nephew of a man who died. The guy was a naturalized U.S. citizen. 
by claiming to be the guy's son, he acquired citizenship through the man who wasn't his father but only his uncle. From his uncle, you don't get benefits like that. And then he got a green card. So, okay, you could say that makes sense. He wanted to be able to get a job. He wanted to be able to travel in and out of the country with a green card. He could do all that. But then he went one step further, actually two steps further. What this guy did was to then apply for U.S. citizenship, and he was made an American citizen. And then he applied for a U.S. passport. Now, wait a minute. Why would this guy want a U.S. passport? Because every time he applied for something, he opens the window to the fact that he was violating the law by lying. You would think a green card would have sufficed. Well, I'll tell you what my concern is. We know that terrorists have been told that once they come to America, they have to keep a low profile. Why? So they can get citizenship. So they can get a U.S. passport. Because if you have a second passport, they can keep their first passport. You alternate passports as you travel around the world. You cover your tracks. You fly from, Eng- from the United States, let's say, to England, or the United States to Germany, or the United States to Spain on your U.S. passport. You put it away. You take out your passport from your original country, in this case, let's say, Yemen. And now you fly to some other country, but under that other passport. And maybe he, he changed his name when he became an American citizen, because legally you're allowed to do that. Right? And your passport only reflects your new name, something that I raised as an issue with congressional hearings, and to my understanding is it's never been addressed. For the price of the ink of adding the original name, we could prevent that kind of a threat. But we don't do it. God forbid. So you now have that second passport. You travel where you're going to go. You go to training camp. You carry out a murder. You do whatever you're told to do. Then you come back to, to that country, England, Germany, France, whatever, under your previous passport, put that away, and then you fly home on your American passport. And it would be very likely that nobody would notice that this guy who flew to Europe subsequently flew to the Middle East or Latin America or God knows where else, covering their tracks. When our special forces raided the bin Laden compound, they took out his library, in addition to taking him out. They seized his library, and among the documents that were published in the, in the media was a, a copy of the 9-11 Commission report and an application for U.S. citizenship. Time and again, we've seen terrorists acquire U.S. citizenship. Time and again, we've educated terrorists at our universities. In fact, Diane Feinstein talked about that particular threat back in 1998, two days short of the fifth anniversary of the bombing of the Trade Center in 93. She said, we probably shouldn't be giving visas to aliens that come from countries that sponsor terrorism. Sounded very much like what Trump had said. And this was four years before 9-11, before 9-11. And maybe we shouldn't be giving them training in, in sciences, chemistry, physics, is we're teaching our enemies how to make weapons of mass destruction, right? So here you've got a guy, they've convicted him of applying for U.S. citizenship and a green card by lying and then getting a U.S. passport by lying. Nothing in there about the Joint Terrorism Task Force being alerted. Nope. Nothing in there about him facing deportation. That's what I found also interesting. The article said that he will lose his citizenship because he lied in order to acquire it. Well, then what happens is if you lose citizenship, you then lose lawful status in the country. You become subject to deportation. That sentence didn't appear. The other thing that was interesting is the press release was issued by the local Syracuse office of the U.S. Attorney's Office, not in Washington. 
Now, if you go to the Maine Justice website in Washington, what is stunning is that you don't see cases being prosecuted for terrorism. You see a lot of tax cases. You see a lot of cases, many more than I've ever seen, of allegations of law enforcement officers using excessive force to make an arrest, corrections officer hitting an inmate, that kind of prosecution. Not much about the criminals, but about how they're prosecuting law enforcement. The administration and the mentality of the left is that law enforcement is the enemy. Now, it's funny. The Republicans don't like to pay high wages or, or, or pensions or whatever. I, I hear this all the time. Oh, those civil servants make too much money. If you think so, why aren't you doing the job? You go out there and do it. Right? So they want to be supportive of law enforcement, but just don't pay them too much. And you know, Both parties are making me crazy, I've got to tell you. I think both parties forgot that we, the people, are who they work for. I remember at one of the hearings, they said that Doris Meisner, when she was our commissioner, she was the commissioner for Clinton, said that we needed to be customer-oriented. And I said, you know, I couldn't have agreed more with Doris with one problem. She thought our customers were illegal aliens. Foolish Mike Cutler thought that our customers were the citizens of the United States of America. But nevertheless, this now brings us back to the supposed whipping, and I'm going to be talking about this on Newsmax tomorrow morning, of the Haitians by the Border Patrol. And it seems that, the, that um, through a Freedom of Information Act release, um, a group, forgive me, I don't have it in front of me. I hope I remember it before I go off the air. I'm having a Biden moment. Um, found that the reporter had sent an email the Mayorkas, and said that he was getting it wrong, that nobody was being whipped, that this was an innocent sort of situation, because he took the photos. And hours after Mayorkas got that email telling him that nothing inappropriate happened, he stood before the cameras in rage, apparently. We're going to get these agents. What they did is despicable. They're going to pay for this. We're going to make them pay. And he had gotten an email hours earlier telling him that nobody was whipped. Now, I, I want all of you to understand something, and I speak from many years of experience as an agent where I've made gazillions of arrests, took lots of guns off the street, lots of bad guys. I was credited also with the arrest of a guy wanted for murder, a couple people wanted for murder in other countries. You're having a confrontation. Confrontations can go very badly. You know, they tell you if you're on the highway and somebody cuts you off, don't make eye contact because you might enrage the guy. In the law enforcement, you don't just make eye contact, you make physical contact. And if the person decides to, decides to resist arrest, it's just not that he's not being nice. That's life and death. Most people don't realize it. If I was making an arrest and somebody could overpower me, they now have their hands on my gun. So... Talking about bringing a gun to, to a fight, right? So every law enforcement officer has a firearm. If someone resists arrest and can overpower that officer, then they have the gun. They can kill the officer. They can kill other people. That's a very serious situation. So resisting arrest should be considered a very serious crime, except with the mentality of the radical lunatics. In many jurisdictions, they no longer prosecute resisting arrest at all. What does this do? It encourages more bad guys to resist arrest because there's no consequences. I believe this is being done willfully. 
I think that they're hopeful, they're praying, although they probably don't pray, but, but they are determined there should be more people resisting arrest. Because if you look at the people who've been shot by the police, whether they're black, white, purple, or have green stripes, almost always what precedes the shooting is resisting arrest or failure to follow lawful orders. It's the way it works. Cop says, get out of the car, put your hands up, get down on the ground, whatever they, they're expecting you to comply. If you don't comply, things suddenly spiral out of control. And I think that's exactly what the lunatic wants, the lunatic left wants. They, they want things spiraling out of control. They want incidents so they can then fire people up to go out there and riot and burn and loot and tear down cities. They are trying to destroy America from within. They truly are. I, I don't understand what they're thinking. I don't understand what motivates them. Maybe they will abuse children, and, and as a consequence, they're lashing out at any authority figure. I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not even going to speculate. But this is a very dangerous situation. So when you're in law enforcement, you understand that any arrest can suddenly become a very serious situation. Lives can be lost. People can be irrevocably injured. You want to believe that your agency that puts you out there on the street will stand behind you if things are being done in a reasonable fashion. Give the law enforcement officer the benefit of the doubt, so to speak. I mean, look, if you do something off the wall, then you need to be made accountable. I have no problem with that. In my 30 years on the job, I never once had an allegation made against me as something I was proud of. But I believe that, you know, if in the heat of battle, you know, when they tell cops, you can't touch the guy's neck. So if some guy is choking you and you're pushing back and you manage to put your hands anywhere near him and your camera's running, you could be in a lot of trouble if you're a police officer. So we had an expression as agents. We used to say, big cases, big problems, little cases, little problems, no cases, no problems. Those Border Patrol agents wouldn't have been chastised if they hadn't been there to block the Haitians from flowing across the border. I think there's a method to Mayorkas's madness. I believe that Mayorkas wants to intimidate, because that's all these people are. You know, the people that told us you never lose, you get a certificate of participation. They, didn't, they want American kids to not understand how to deal with adversity or deal with real competition. They want this to be a cakewalk. When I was a kid, if someone pushed you far enough and hard enough, you fought back. I was in that situation. When I got bullied, I went to a gym, worked out, learned to box, learned to defend myself. My principal commended me on becoming a man. Today, they probably call the police. They want a compliant, non-questioning population, which is also why I believe they want lots of people from the third world, because these are low-maintenance um, residents of, of a town or city. If the government doesn't bother me, I'm not going to bother the government. If they didn't collect my garbage or the street has potholes, I'm not going to complain because I don't want the government doing anything to me. That's the ideal kind of constituent for a crooked politician to give the redundancy. So what, what, what they're trying to do is intimidate law enforcement into not doing their job, taking away legal protection, right? You can now be sued individually for making an arrest. So then ask yourself, what does the cop gain by making an arrest? Nothing. Every time a cop says to someone, you're under arrest, that cop is putting his life, his livelihood, and his freedom at stake. 
How many times do you have to do it before you get the message? Don't do your job. Go on patrol and put on blinders. Don't see anything. If you don't see anything, you take no action. If you take no action, you can't get into trouble. We are basically giving law enforcement officers a new version of the Miranda warning. Anything you do can and will be used against you. And I think that's why Mayorkas went after those Border Patrol agents, even though we now have concrete proof that he knew damn well that they never whipped anybody. This was to send a message to every Border Patrol agent, don't do your job. Don't do the same thing with ICE. Don't, you do your job, we will find a way to get you. There is no other way of looking at this. There is no other way of looking at this. And what angers and frustrates me is after 9-11, all these politicians were jostling each other to get in front of the camera for that photo op. And what did they say? Why didn't they connect the dots? Maybe we should have been more creative. Maybe we should go to Hollywood because they write all these great scripts about terrorists. We have to figure out what they did so we can protect them. Well, now what are we doing? Everything that Biden does runs 180 degrees in direct opposition to the findings of the 9-11 Commission. What the commission said we have to do to be safe, we're not doing. What we were warned not to do, they are doing it. Bringing in millions of people without the ability to identify them is is an invitation to a catastrophe. But it's not only the southern border. That's the point. And now it almost sounds as though Pelosi wants to extort Americans and politicians into comprehensive reform, saying we've got to secure the border, but then we have to take care of the people who are here. Really? Really? Uh, No. We have to secure the border. We have to make it clear to people that there's a legal way of entering the United States. And now they're, they're calling the people that are coming across the border asylum applicants when they come from countries where they don't have a snowball's chance in hell of getting asylum. Please read my article at the front page. Uh, I made the analogy that after a flood, you have to clean up the mess. America is being flooded by millions of illegal aliens. We need ICE agents more than we need anything else. Please have the conversations with your neighbors, folks. Not fights, not arguments. The facts are, as John Adams said, stubborn things. Please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. Glad you could join me this evening. I hope you'll be able to join me again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a great weekend. Be well. Stay safe.